Coach JC, and I am your coach. Each week, we bring you an inspiring winning story, an empowering, motivating winning word so that you can be your best and win more in life. Thank you for joining us today, and now it's time for you to be fit for duty and fit for life. All right, guys, what's going on? This is Coach JC here, and you are listening to the Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast. Yes, this is a home of Fit First Responders and FFRonline.tv, and I'm super excited today. We have a special guest in the house that we will introduce in just a moment. But if you are a frequent listener, we want to welcome you back to our weekly podcast. If it's your first time, get ready. Man, we provide everything you need to be fit for duty, yes, on the job, but also fit for life. And today, we're going to do what we do every podcast. We like to kick our podcast off with what we call at FFRonline.tv, our winning confession. Just like you train your body, you train your mind, and there's power in your words. So if you are a frequent listener, you're going to be very familiar with this winning confession. If it's your first time, feel free to just repeat after me and say it like you mean it. Your winning confession at FFRonline.tv. Here we go. Today is my day. No one will get in my way of me being the best version of me. I am here on purpose. I have a purpose. I am strong. I am passionate. I am powerful. I am unstoppable. I am a winner. I am fearless. I choose faith. And last but not least, I am fit for duty. I am fit for life. Welcome once again to the Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast. And today we are coming at you with our special guest, Mr. Chris Fisher. How are you, sir? Doing great. Awesome. We have Chris Fisher in the house, a former police officer from Central Alabama, and he is on a mission uh, as he is on the board of, me- of, of directors of Humanizing the Badge and owner and realtor of the Evanson Fisher Group. So without further ado, we would like to welcome Chris Fisher to the Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast. And at this point, Chris, what I'd like to do is give you this time to introduce yourself, sir. I could spend all day talking about who you are. You've done some amazing things that we're going to get into as a police officer and with these uh, special nonprofits that you're involved in. But I would love for you just to take a moment to introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, man, where you come from, and how you arrived to where you are today. Can you do that for us, sir? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So it's pretty easy. Uh, I have the story of probably a lot of your listeners. You know, I wanted to do something uh, coming out of high school uh, and college, and, you know, I wanted to make a difference uh, in the world. And my main manner of doing that was going into law enforcement. So I did law enforcement for 12 years. I had multiple different assignments from patrol. Um, I did SWAT. I did narcotics. I did all that stuff. And then uh, in June, 2015, a line of duty injury um, effectively into my career um, in law enforcement. Now it was it was a small injury, you know, nothing compared to what people go through. But the type of injury it was, the risk of going back to work uh, outweighed the reward. So I had to find something else to do. Um, one of the main things I did was I poured my efforts into uh, humanizing the badge and, and what they're doing. Uh, you know, the folks there are doing some really really amazing things. Uh, traveling the country and, and just just bridging that gap between law enforcement and their communities. Um, so that's been really rewarding for me. Um, you know, I, I was invited to be on the directors uh, a short time ago. So I've been kind of doing that. Um, you know, I've got a new baby that's six months old. Um, so that's been, new father has been kind of an interesting thing for me. And then I've also uh, been building my real estate business. So I, I, I kind of stay busy. I guess you could say, but I'm just, uh, just, you know, trying to, trying to make me, make my way through this life and, and also, um, 
because I've been so lucky along the way that I want to be able to, to get a little bit of it back, and that's what I do And you know, with my nonprofit efforts. Come on, man. Well, we're excited that you are taking the time to be on this podcast. And now we have over 46 different agencies tuning in, first responders from 46 different agencies all over our nation and our country actually now. Um, and first of all, congrats on the new baby, man. That's super exciting. Um, but I want to I I pause there and talk about something before we get into the missions that you are on right now. You mentioned getting injured on the job. And I would like you just to elaborate on that for a second, because I know there's listeners listening right now that can relate to that. And, you know, I wrote a chapter in the, in the Fit for Duty, Fit for Life book that I was blessed and privileged to write. And, and we talk about this on FFRonline.tv, Mr. Fisher, and it's this. It's a simple fact that so many times, Chris, first responders find their identity in the job, in what they do, rather than who they are. So I want you to pause there for a second and talk about what you said. You got injured on the job. Man, what was that like? And, and, and obviously, there's people out there that have been injured on the job, and it was devastating to the point where, man, it, mentally and physically and emotionally, man, it beat them up to the point where they ended up in a depressed state because they didn't know what else they could do or who else they were because their whole identity was being a first responder, a law enforcement so what was that like at that time, and what did you do to say, you know what, man, I know this is adversity at the time. I, I know it's an obstacle, but you know what? I, I'm going to run through it. I'm going to go over it. I'm going to go under it. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to fight to get through to the other side and overcome. Can you talk about that for a little, Chris? Sure, absolutely. So my injury, like I said, was kind of a relatively minor injury, um, but the circumstances uh, coupled around it is what ended my career. So I had... I was moving to Arizona. Um, I was finishing up my, for lack of a better word, two-week notice with my department. And I, figured, uh, I tore some ligaments in my ribs. They ripped away from the bone. They caused some pretty extensive damage um, my last two weeks, um, which is kind of an interesting story because it was two weeks longer than I was supposed to stay. My boss asked, my chief rather, asked me to stay um, a couple of extra weeks, and I did. And during those extra weeks, I was injured. But I was going through the hiring processes in Arizona where I was moving. Um, the first doctor saw said, oh, it's just a bruise. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Go ahead and quit. Go to Arizona. So that's what I did. Uh, and I got to Arizona and kept having problems with wrists. And I was doing the, you know, the fit tests and, I, and the oral boards and all that stuff. And uh, right before I was supposed to test with the Mesa, Arizona Police Department, I said, you know what? I'm going to get in touch with... Um, the workers' comp people, they, it took them like two months to set me an appointment with somebody. It was awful. But uh, when I got, when I had that appointment set, I, I went in the day before I was supposed to test Mesa PD for their fit test. And the doctor told me, hey, Chris, this is this is what I think's wrong with your, uh, with your wrist. I think you've torn the, these ligaments away from the bone. And I'm going to have to do some... Uh, some more tests, but also I expect to have to do a pretty extensive surgery that's going to put you down for about nine months. Um, you know, I was going to have to wear, or I did have to wear uh, an above the uh, elbow cast all the way to the shoulder for, uh, it was two months and then, you know, several additional months with a short arm cast. And uh, he, he just let me know that uh, those, that I would never be able to do a push up again. That was the, that was the big thing. He said, the type of injury you have, the way we have to reattach it, uh, any attempt to ever do a push-up again will re-tear the ligament. It will, um, you will then cause your bone and cartilage to wear out quicker. And you know, it could be a year, it could be five years, but you'd have to have a total wrist replacement and be completely disabled for the rest of your life. So, yeah, it was it was a it was a kick in the nuts. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. Um, but uh, you know, I I. I just uh, moved out here to be with my wife. Um, you know, we were planning our family, and I knew that I wasn't the type of guy that was just going to sit back and wallow in self-pity. So, you know, within a week of, of finding out what happened, I committed to real estate, and uh, I went to real estate school, got my license over the period of the next few weeks, uh, and started and started working in real estate immediately. Uh, the reason I chose real estate was because I knew that I wanted to do something with Law, the law enforcement community as far as giving back to a career that gave me so much for so long. Um, and that afforded me the most flexible flexibility to my schedule. Uh, and it's, it's worked out really great so far. 
Yeah, man. Well, you know, let, let, let's let's hang there for just a quick in, a second because I know there's listeners listening right now, and you know they're they're going through hell and life in an area, and you know I talk about this all the time on FFRonline.tv, Chris is. You know, so many times we see law enforcement or firefighters or medics or, or National Guards, we see the heroes out there that fight the good fight every single day, and you put the badge on, and, you know, I think as civilians, we forget sometimes that behind that badge, there's a human being first. And if you're a human being, then it, it tells me and you, Chris, that, that first responders deal with all the same stuff that civilians deal with, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So when you said earlier, man, I, I basically got kicked in the nuts. There's somebody listening right now, man, they're getting punched in the face. They're getting kicked in the nuts. Life is hitting them from every direction. And I, I want to talk to them just for a second because, I, I, you know, I believe, you know, what you did is powerful. And, and I just want to read what you sent in really quick because we ask all of our guests to send in a quick little bio and this is what you said i think it's powerful you said chris fisher is a former police officer from central alabama turned realtor now living and working in the greater phoenix area he's a loving father a devoted husband and a caring activist working to bridge the divide between police and the communities they serve he often writes and occasionally it's worth reading <laughs> that's good he believes that the world is what we make of it, and the time for complaining without doing something has passed. And I want to just go back to that because I'm reading this right now, and it resonates with me when you say you're a loving father, a devoted husband, a caring activist. There's no way that you, Chris Fisher, could be doing all the cool things that you're doing, making all the amazing investments you're making in communities through surviving the streets, dehumanizing the badge. You could not be that, that, that devoted husband, that loving father, and that activist you are if you didn't take that situation when you got kicked in the nuts and said, you know what? Life is not about what happens to me. It's about how I respond. And before we do move on, man, I just want to talk to the listener right now, the first responder that might be listening saying, man, I, I, I'm there, Chris. I'm there, Coach JC. Man, I'm there on the job right now. I'm getting knocked around, and life is just hard right now. Maybe you're out there right now, and you have an injury on the job, and you're trying to figure out what's the next direction of your life. And I'll never forget, man, one of my mentors, the greatest motivational speaker of all times, Tony Robbins, once said, nothing in life has meaning except the meaning that you choose to give it. And think about that for a second if you're listening. Because Chris Fisher said in his bio that he believes, that Chris Fisher believes that the world is what we make of it, and the time for complaining without doing something has passed. Nothing in life, no matter what you're going through right now, has any meaning except the meaning you choose to give it. So, Chris, man, I would love for you just for a minute to, to hang on that little sentence you said and talk, talk to us and the listeners out there of what that means to you, that, that you believe the world is what we make of it, and the time for complaining without doing something has passed. Because you had to do that when you had that injury on the job to be you are today. So can you elaborate on that a little? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, being a cop was my life. You know, it was everything that I I worked towards in my adult life. It's everything I knew in my adult life um, as far as a career. And, you know, we all talk about how, uh, you know, being a first responder, police officer, firefighter in the military, all that stuff's a way of life more than a career. And that's true. Um, but there's so much more to life than, than being defined by how you earn your paycheck. Um, you know, if you'll go back a sentence before, I said, I didn't say I was a real estate agent. I said I was a devoted father, a loving husband, and then I was something else. Come um, as, as a man, and this may be old-fashioned, I don't know, but as a man, my number one goal in life is to provide for my family, to provide for my wife, provide for my my children, and give them all the best life that they can have. And I can't do that feeling sorry for myself. Mm, come on. So the thing is, like, not everybody would work out in real estate. Um, but when when you have something that knocks you down, I mean, how many times have you heard it? When something knocks you down, you got to get back up. And, you know, laying on the ground, rolling around while the ref counts or whatever, that doesn't serve you anything. You're not going to move forward on the ground and crawl. No, if you have to, you have to crawl. But 
um, you got to get up, you got to get back to your feet, and you got to move forward. And that's that's all you can do, uh, you know, as a man. Come on, Chris. That's powerful, man. I love what you said earlier, man, because, you know, actually, and I'm going to send you a copy of the book that I wrote because we have a chapter in there, and it talks about, you know, who are you? And so many times as a first responder, it's like the pro athlete. They define who they are and what they do. And we talk about identity with our first responders and FFRonline.tv is discovering who you are and, and, and be able to de- decipher between who you are and what you do. And I think what you said is powerful. When you wrote that bio, you did say that. You said, I'm a devoted father, a loving husband. Man, that's powerful because if everything that you thought you were was defined and caught up with in what you did as a first responder, you may not be able to be everything you are today because that injury could have taken you out mentally and physically. And you said something. You know, we've heard it a lot of times. But when you get knocked down, what do you choose to do? It's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you choose to get knocked up, back up, excuse me. So I want to go back to that quote before we move on. Tony Robbins said, nothing in life has meaning except the meaning you choose to give it. And between myself and, and Chris Fisher of Humanizing the Badge and Surviving the Streets Today, we want to encourage you, if you're listening, to take his story and let it motivate you, let it inspire you, let it empower you to get back up today. I don't know what you're dealing with physically, mentally, emotionally, but what he said is powerful. And I want you to think about that for a second before we move on. With everything that goes on in life, the ups and the downs, the only meaning it will ever have is the meaning you choose to give it. Your health, your happiness, your marriage, your job. What you get out of it all comes down to the meaning that you choose to give the situation. Life is only about 10% what happens to you and about 90% how you choose to respond. So today, our encouragement for you, before we get into Chris Fisher's mission, is today, to, uh, I want to encourage you, man. I just feel led to say, get back in the game. Get back in the game of life. Put the kicks back on. Stop being a spectator. Stop feeling sorry for yourself like Chris said earlier. Man, you got to man up. Get up. Fight the fight. And know that you're worth it. Your family needs you. Your agency needs you. Your city needs you. And the world that we live in needs you. No matter the failure, no matter the setback that you're experiencing right now, it's not too late. Today is your day. You're a hero. Get back in the game, baby. All right. So once again, this is Coach JC at Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast, joined by Chris Fisher, who is on the board of directors of Humanizing the Badge, which I'm super excited to talk about. And Chris, let's talk about humanizing the badge, the mission, uh, and the vision of, of what this, uh, it's a nonprofit, correct? Yes. So yes. what's the mission and the vision of humanizing the badge? So many of your listeners will probably recognize the people that are associated with humanizing the badge. Um, you know, the founders are um, Elizabeth uh, Ogden, who wrote the, the poem, Dear Officer, I See You, um, and that came around a couple years ago. It was really powerful. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to look it up. Um, and then uh, the Facebook personality, Mike the Cop, uh, who is also founders of Humanizing the Badge. We also do stuff with, uh, you know, Officer Daniel, so on the board of directors, and uh, Deputy Hookem and Bookem, who are, uh, you know, Instagram and Vine and Facebook and all the other, you know, <laughs> social media guys they're they're pretty popular there and all of us just kind of came together and our mission um is simply to to bridge that gap you know the the gap between police and their communities is created i believe by perception um i think a lot of 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 that divide is is a wall that's been built by people spreading misinformation about what law enforcement is doing, and 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 on the flip side, it's it's a wall of disinformation about how people feel about their law enforcement, because the only thing we hear as cops, or uh, the next, we only hear from from people who don't like us. Um, the media only you know seeks out the people who hate us, out, uh, and they give them their fifteen minutes of fame. And it just, it's over and over and over again. And it seems like to us that everybody hates us. And then on the flip side, to them, it seems like we're out to get them. And, and neither side feels that way. And that's, that's something that we've got to work together to show. Because if there's anything I've learned um, transitioning from the, the public sector to the private sector, is that an overwhelming majority of people in this country 
who are successful, who, you know, live their lives every day without committing crimes, uh, without doing uh, terrible things to their fellow man. The overwhelming majority of those people support the police. And although, you know, when I was in the job and I was uh -huh. dealing with people at the, on their worst day of their lives on a regular basis, I didn't see that. But when I get out and people find out that I used to be a cop and they're asking me questions and they're talking to me about what I used to do and, and to a man, they always say, thank you so much. And it's really humbling to realize that although I didn't see it at the time, there is a huge amount of support in for our law enforcement. Absolutely, man. And I love what you're doing. I know uh, our listeners, if they don't know about humanizing the badge, you guys need to get over there right now humanizing the badge, get with them at their social media. Um, and, and I believe that this is a, an absolute game changer in the world that we live, Chris Fisher. And I'm super excited to have you on here today. And I, I want to talk more about how you guys are doing that. But I'll never forget, man, I was, we were here in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the headquarters of Fit First Responders. And, you know, I, the presidential, you know, I'm not trying to talk politics, you know, but the presidential, uh, you know, debates were going on. Everybody's campaigning. And I remember that. President Trump at now at the time, you know, he was he, he was campaigning at the moment, but he came out and said police are the most mistreated people in America. And I remember seeing that line go across the TV and I'm watching it and I said, man, where have we gotten as a nation? Me growing up on the streets of Jersey, man, you had an immense respect for law enforcement. When, and when you saw that guy in a badge, you wanted to be him. That was the hero. You know, pro athletes were great, but, man, we wanted to be a police officer. We wanted to be a firefighter. And, man, I believe that anybody that wants to talk about making America great again in any arena, that the first step is restoring the dignity and respect back to our law enforcement. And it's bridging that gap between community and law enforcement, community and first responders as a whole. So I absolutely love what you're doing. I love what you said, that a lot of times it's just the perception and, and, the, and, and the misinformation we all love the media and what they're doing, but you know that perception is how people feel. And if, if you're told something over and over again, eventually you can fall for it and believe it. And, and you look back and say, wait a second, how did I ever get that negative feeling about police officers? Well, I was just fed it over and over for the last month, two months, six years on the media. And all of a sudden, now I've built up this bitterness in my heart. I've built up this anger and this frustration because of a situation that I wasn't even a part of. I wasn't even there. So, man, we had, a, we had a situation, Chris Fisher, and you might have heard of it out here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where a police officer obviously shot somebody. And, man, the first thing that the media wanted to do was paint this division. And obviously it was a racial thing uh, from, from the media's perspective, but it had nothing to do with race. It, it, it was a criminal, and it, and it was a police officer. And everybody has their perception uh, of what they wanted to come to and the conclusion that they wanted to come to. But I'm so proud of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and what they did. We saw no riots. We saw no craziness. Yeah, we saw some picketing. We saw some, you know, some protesters, but we saw no, we, we didn't see any riots. And I think we shut down a lot of what the media wanted to say was not allowed to be said in Tulsa. And I think now you're seeing other cities that say, man, what did Tulsa do? Because as ugly as it could have got, it didn't get to there. So, man, Chris, let's talk about what you guys, the actual tangible things you're doing, because that's a huge task that you guys are taking on, obviously, you know, bridging the gap between community and law enforcement. But what are you guys doing? The actual tangible things that a listener could say, man, that's awesome. Maybe I could take that back to my city. Uh, what are you doing within law enforcement or within the community to bridge that gap? So right now we're, we're going into communities. We're doing this thing uh, called Project Human where we go into communities and we um, were able to, to really um, get, get our hands dirty with the communities uh, themselves. We've been to Dallas, we've been to Orlando, we've been to uh, St. Louis, we just got back from Detroit. And we're just, um, like for instance, Detroit, while we were there, um, we met with um, troubled youths. We went to um, a homeless shelter and, and fed the homeless there and, and just had conversations with them like, um, Mike the cop while he was handing out food, you know, he's talking to the guys and he, he looks at one of them and says, did you, did you ever think that you would have a cop serve you food? And the guy, guy says, no, you know, I didn't. He said, well, now you have. And it was just like a really powerful moment because this guy's like, you know, these, these cops from all over the country are coming here to our homeless shelter or in another place we stopped was a rehab facility. 
and they're coming in and talking with us because they care about us as people. And I, several of them told us, you know, this was really a profound thing for me to see in my own life. I, from the time I was, you know, two or three years old, the only thing I can remember is hating the police. I really don't even know why. So wow. it's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's small, um, you know, that we're, we're affecting few lives, a few lives at a time and changing a few minds. And some people were not going to change their mind. And we know that, but you know, if you change one mind, you change another and then you change another. And so when we went to Detroit, for instance, we were joined by um, some somebody you guys have probably all seen, the Free Hugs Project guy. His name is uh, Ken Wadike. I don't know if I said his last name right. He might be mad at me. But <laughs> just a really phenomenal guy. And he goes around to all these riots and he's handing out hugs. Uh, you know, and I'll tell you right now, that guy's completely genuine. He really uh -huh. just wants to to change uh, what's going on between police and the community. So he's come together with us with Project Human. Uh, we were joined by a guy uh, from New York who runs a program called Date While You Wait. And basically what he, he goes down into the subways in New York and sets up uh, board games and plays with people while they wait on the train. And he's had a couple of NYPD guys sit down and play with him, uh, play some Connect Four, you know, whatever. And he decided they want to learn more about law enforcement. So he came and joined us in, on Project Human in Detroit. And he and I sat down and had a conversation. What you've got is a is a black guy from Brooklyn and a, and a white cop from rural Alabama. And we're talking with each other and having an open dialogue. And he told me when Eric Garner died that he protested and he put a, a sign around his neck that said, I can't breathe. And he walked around for two weeks and didn't say a word. Now, you tell somebody else that that, that guy and a cop from Alabama are sitting down laughing, joking with each other, hugging each other when it's time to go our separate ways, staying in touch afterwards. Um, because each of us got to get a, a different perspective. We had difficult conversations while we were there. Mm -hmm. We talked where other people in other situations, especially on social media, where you have to support or completely be against every issue and you can't discuss an issue because it turns into anger and rage so quickly. We were able to have a tough conversation respectfully. Each of us learned something. And, and both of us are going back to our respective communities with a better understanding of the other side. And it was so powerful and so wonderful to have that experience with uh, Thomas. And, you know, I, I just look forward to doing more stuff like that. Wow, man, that's powerful, man. I absolutely love what you guys are doing. And, you know, I, I want to I I do something really quick. I want to talk to the first responder that's out there right now that, um, you know, it makes me think of a, a quote that John Maxwell said you know, the great leadership coach, he said, a man must be big enough to admit his mistakes, smart enough to profit from them, and strong enough to correct them. And here's why I wanted to throw that quote out there, uh, Mr. Fisher, is because there's first responders listening right now, and because of the media, and because of the misinformation, and because of things that have happened, and now they've uh, developed this preconceived idea, and they've kind of put this wall up. And they're listening to you talk right now, but I know they're out there because I've had multiple conversations with many of them online where they say, Coach JC, man, you're so positive and you talk about forgiveness, uh, you know, on a podcast and this and that. But, man, you don't understand what happened on the streets and this. And, and, and so many times, man, you could get so bitter from a situation and allow unforgiveness to creep in. And, man, I want to challenge you right now if you're listening, man, don't get bitter. Get better. You could play the victim card and say, man, we were done wrong as law enforcement. Or, or you could say, no, 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 no more victim mentality. I'm going to create a victory through this. So I want you to talk to them if they're listening right now and say, man, what could they do from where they are? In the communities that they live, that they reside, that they serve, like you're doing, what Project Human is saying, we're going to go out and we're going to serve the cities, the communities, in small little acts of service. And they're going to see us in a different light. And then we can open up dialogue and, and have communication, black and white and irrelevant of color or, or demographic. And so what could you say to the first responder in, in, in another city? What can they do right now? Uh, you know, I'll tell you, um, from my perspective, just have a conversation with somebody. The art of conversation is so lost in, in our text and social media age. Just find somebody um, 
and sit down with them, have a conversation. And I can't remember who said this, but I saw a quote not too long ago, and it simply said, I never learned anything from a man who agreed with me. Mm. That struck a chord with me. I, I found it really powerful because it's true. If you surround yourself with, with people who think exactly like you do and who react exactly like you do all the time, you'll never grow as a person. So challenge yourself. Go out there, find these people, and have a conversation with somebody that's a difficult conversation, somebody with maybe a contrary opinion to what you have, and try to learn from that person. Be respectful and, and try to grow as a person. Now, you may never agree with them. They may never agree with you. But you'll better understand their position, you'll better be able to articulate your position, and you'll be better able to, to serve them and present your own arguments when somebody challenges your belief. That's powerful, man. Great word. And, you know, I, I, you know I'm not a police officer. You know, I, I spent a lot of times around law enforcement, firefighters, did, did some ride-alongs, blessed and privileged to coach and you know, been named as kind of the performance coach within a lot of agencies and departments uh, throughout our nation. You know, and I've come clo become close to a lot of, you know, people in the law enforcement world. And my, my, my uh, grandfather was FOP president and, and, and a police officer in Newark, New Jersey growing up. And, you know, one of the things that I, I've seen, Mr. Fisher, is this, is sometimes as a police officer, you get so caught up in thinking that the other side's going to be so bad that you don't make time for that conversation. And here's what I mean by that. I mean, obviously, as a law enforcement, you have your guard up. You're, 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 in a, you're going in a neighborhood, and you're, you're wondering nowadays, man, is somebody out to get me? Is somebody out to, to take me? Because, man, that's, that's actually some groups that have been created, and you're seeing it all through, uh, across our nation. So what, I mean, how do they do that? How do they mentally break through to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time on the job when I'm out there patrolling a community to stop the car maybe, you know, call a few people over, have a conversation. I mean, to me it's so simple, but I've talked to so many first responders that it's not simple. So what would you say to that first responder? How does that dialogue start, the art of conversation? How does that really work while you're on the job and you're wearing the badge and you're, you, have a, you have a vest on and you're thinking, man, I don't want to get too close because it could be my life today. Yeah, does that make sense, Chris? Oh yeah, it makes absolute sense, and uh, and I understand that mentality, and it's something that's really been uh, kind of programmed into law enforcement, um, and should have been because we've lost too many uh, law enforcement officers to violent acts. But the fact of the matter remains that most police officers won't ever fire their gun in anger, and the reason um, you have to play the statistics like. One, you've got to be proactive in protecting yourself. You have to be, um, you have to project that officer presence in, in a situation. But still, police officers talk to people every single day, multiple people from multiple different backgrounds. And you just, you got, you got, to, got, to, make, got to, make, to make that effort. It's easy, but it's an effort that you have to make. And, you know, one of the things that really gets me um, on Survive the Streets, you know, I, Survive the Streets is a different animal than humanizing the badge. But when I'm when I'm working on Survive the Streets and I see comments and somebody posts a contrary opinion, they're immediately called a sm snowflake, uh, ostracized, made fun of, you know, all this. And, and I'm sitting back thinking, like, sometimes I understand where it's coming from and sometimes I, I give it back, too. That's, that's true. But who's really the snowflake? Mm -hmm. If somebody is your opinion and your reaction is to yell and scream and make fun and and you can't even defend your position because you're too busy calling somebody a moron or an idiot or a snowflake who melted there you or them wow and i say challenge yourself to not be a snowflake and to be able to, to articulate and defend your positions wow that's powerful man and um we're gonna move right to surviving the streets but before we go there um I'm trying to think of who said it, but I don't remember the exact quote, but it, the quote goes something along the lines is, act as though it were impossible to fail. And winners use losses to drive them to become better. And, it, you know, right now, if you're listening, we want to just encourage you, man, do your part. Do your part to bridge that gap between community and law enforcement. And we, I honestly believe that if everybody just does a small part as a first responder, that first responders 
could set this revival and change the game. But we got to have all the first responders saying, you know what, I'm going to allow preconceived ideas or what happened in the past uh, to, to be the past. And starting today, I'm going to set bigger goals for myself and, and I'm going to push the boundaries maybe a little and, and I'm going to elevate my standard that I hold myself to when it comes to not being just a, an officer, but being a community relationship builder. And I know if you're listening right now, you have the capability, you're able, and you're willing. And I hope today, hearing Chris Fisher and the mission that they're on, uh, that that encourages you and motivates you. Because uh, ultimately, that's what we need as a nation. And, and I believe that in every circumstance, in, in every situation of life, and you know, so many people look at this as a failure for our nation. They say, oh my gosh, it's, it's such a bad situation. I love it. Because I honestly believe that this is a time for human beings to make a decision and say, what are we going to do? Are we going to fold or are we going to come together? Is this a failure? Is it a loss? Because you, you can learn from some of the most valuable lessons in life. You know, come from some of the craziest failures or what might look as some of the, the craziest losses or obstacles or adversity. So I want to challenge you right now to learn as life offers you this great opportunity to, to be a community relationship builder, to readjust, to reevaluate your mindset and, and raise a standard, improvise, improve, do whatever you have to do to make a comeback mentally so that you can say, you know what, starting today, I'm going to sit out there to make a, a part of my job a community relationship builder. And let's together bridge that gap and help Chris Fisher and the team over at Humanizing the Badge really make this change within our nation, man. We believe in you guys. I know you can do it. And Chris, we could spend all day on that topic, but I do want to segue into what you mentioned earlier. You said that there's a different animal over there surviving the streets. And obviously that's a, 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 a mission you have going on for law enforcement. I mean, what does that mean? You, you mentioned it. Talk to us a little about what Surviving the Streets is. Sure. So I started Survive the Streets in May of 2013. So it's about to turn years old. Um, but basically I was riding around on patrol one night and I was I had just gotten off a phone call with a friend um, in a rural sheriff's department in, in Alabama. And that's where I started here was a was, you know, an 11 man police department. Um, and those guys just don't get the training they deserve. Uh, it, it is what it is. The money's not there. There's several other factors that cause it, but I, I reached out, um, to another friend and we started survive the streets because where I was at, I was getting tons of training, you know, hundreds of hours a year uh, of very specialized training. And I just wanted to spread some of that around. So we started building, we build Survive the Streets as a place for police officers that is geared towards the emotional, legal, and um, physical survival of law enforcement. We encourage physical fitness. We encouraged um, emotional well-being, resiliency training, you know, things like that. And then we encouraged, uh, you know, obviously, too, the legal aspects of being a police officer so that you didn't get your career ruined by, you know, lawyers. Wow, man, this is amazing. I love it. When did, when did you start this? What year? So that, that was May of 2013. I love it, man. And, and you know, at FFRonline.tv, um, you know, our emphasis is providing the first responder with the things they need, the tools they need, the coaching they need to be fit for duty and also fit for life. And, and we can talk about that a little. But let's talk about fit for duty because, you know, I believe – uh, you know, the calling that I'm on, the mission that I'm on, and, and this vision that I've had placed on my heart and the lives that have been able to be transformed and radically changed through our programs, I believe that being fit for duty, and I'm going to be bold in saying this because, you know, I go into some stations, departments, and, 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 and a lot of them love me, but there are some unions out there that say, you don't understand, Coach DC, we can't make that happen. It should be an absolute mandate that you do your part to be physically and mentally ready when you put that badge on and you get in your patrol car. It's your life that's on the line. So I want you to talk about that a little because now you're tying in surviving the streets with the mission, the mission that we're on at Fit First Responders and the tools we're providing, the physical and the mental conditioning. So dive a little into that, Chris, what, what your thought is and your belief on, on the physical and the mental conditioning of a first responder to be equipped and ready to do the job. Sure. Well, absolutely. You know, you have to be mentally equipped to do the job. There's several different aspects to that. It could be you know, 
knowing uh, that you are willing to pull the trigger if you have to, that's the most visible thing uh, that people talk about the most frequently, that warrior mindset. That's important. But you also need to have the resiliency to, you know, survive all the terrible things that you see, all the, you know, things that build up over time and cause problems in law enforcement. You know, there's, there's a problem with alcoholism. There's a problem with divorce. There's a problem with suicide. And all those stem from a lack of resiliency to, to withstand the onslaught of the horrible things that police officers and firefighters and military members see on a regular basis. So I encourage people to seek out resiliency training. And there's several organizations that offer that training. Uh, and it's so very important to receive. That's the mental. And the yeah. physical. So when I was a cop, you know, I got into a fight with a guy. We got into a wrestling match. It took me like two or three minutes to get him handcuffed. Um, and for a little background, I'm a really tall guy. I'm six foot five. When I graduated high school, I weighed 168 pounds. So I was rail thin, right? Um, as a cop, I was hovering around the 205 range. And when I got in this fight and it was all said and done and the backup got there and we got him cuffed up and got him taken away, um, the guy was on for a long time. And he, you know, we had our run-ins before, but we always had a cordial relationship. He was just a guy that was trying to get away. Luckily, he wasn't trying to hurt me. But when I, when I talked to him, he said, Fisher, you need to do some push-ups, man. You're going to get hurt out here. And that was another one of those kicking nuts moment because – I knew that I wasn't doing what I needed to do in the gym uh, to survive uh, on the street. So I changed my life. You know, I went, uh, I, I go to the gym now five times a week. You know, I, even now, um, my from where I was, I was, like I said, 205 pounds. Now I'm at probably 270, 275. And, you know, I, I don't skip, you know, I never skip leg day, I guess you could say. It's such a lifestyle change, but I feel so much better. And I'm really disappointed in myself because my career, my law enforcement career ended about a year and a half after I decided to make that change. So I didn't really get to see how much easier my job was when I was physically fit. Um, now, don't get me wrong. You know, I wasn't like uh, like deathly out of shape. I ran, you know, I did other things. Um, but to be both strong and um, able to, to endure, you know, foot chases and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I really wish I could, I could see how that has, would be now. Um, but too many times we, we have police officers keel over at their desk for heart disease. We have do a foot chase for the first time in 10 years and then died six hours later because of stress put on their heart because they're not training their bodies to, to expect this type of thing. And, you know, a lot of line of duty deaths are preventable um, by, by simply just eating right, working out. And, you know, I get all the excuses to, oh, I don't have time, I'm working doubles, you know, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, you know, it's so hard, the fast food's simpler. But the fact of the matter is, as a real estate agent, I work 14 to 18 hours a day and I still go to the gym five days a week. You can too. It's just got to be a priority for you. Come on, man. That's powerful. And I love hearing it coming from uh, another uh, individual and another organization surviving the streets. Um, you know, obviously it's absolutely vital for you to be fit for duty and fit for life. I don't, I don't think there's a first responder out there that is going to argue that. I mean, if you are, then you, we've got to, you, please call me, email me, because if you want to argue that you should not be, you know, uh, physically and mentally ready, then maybe you're in the wrong profession. You have to be. And I think what Chris said at the end is most important. A lot of times it's all these excuses and busyness of life going on. And man, we want to challenge you today. You just got to commit. And Nike says it best. We wear the sneakers all the time. Just do it. But I think for us, Chris, at FFR Online, we always ask first responders when they first join the program and they, and they get over and they're excited and they say, Coach, man, you understand, man, I'm, I, I, have, I have 20 pounds or 50 pounds or 60 pounds to lose or, or I got this addiction I'm dealing with or, or I'm depressed and down and out or, you know, something's going on with, with my marriage and we're looking at getting divorced. And I mean, we see a lot of the first responders out there that are broken. 
And, and I, I take pride in that. I, I love that our programs become, you know, a personal development program. And the first question we ask them is why? Why do you do what you do? And if, it, if you want somebody to commit and be all in, they got to know why they're going to do it. And I think what you said is powerful a little earlier, and I want to segue into that because you said, you know, basically you don't want to be the weakest link on the job. And it's not just about you, but what about your partner? What about the person, the individual that you go to battle with? How sad would it be? What a day it would be if your partner lost their life or got injured or something happened to somebody on your team because you weren't equipped and ready to do your job. Man, I, I, I would hate for that feeling to have to live with that regret and that emotion and that feeling to say, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, a, a fellow a brother or sister lost their life or got injured because I wasn't ready. I couldn't make the call in time. I couldn't, I couldn't follow through in that foot pursuit. And Man, I talked to, Chris, I talked to first responders that are very, very passionate about this. I've had some, some, some law enforcement out here that, man, they'll, they'll be very blunt that agencies and departments and, man, they should buy in. It should be a mandate. So I know there's a lot out there that do believe in that, but I want to challenge you today, if you're listening, to discover your why. Why are you not getting in the gym every single day? Why are you not mentally and physically resilient like Chris asked, offered earlier? And if you're not, Man, get out there and get the help. Get a coach. Get a trainer. Get a mentor. Get a somebody that can disciple you. Get an accountability partner. Get a teammate that's on the force that you know is physically and mentally committed and locked in and all in. And ask them if you could join them. There's no greater time than today. And Chris, you, you mentioned a few things that are powerful in there. You talked about addiction and, and divorce and, and suicide and, and heart disease and, and all those things that are really running rampant within the law enforcement world and the first responder world and Man, if you're listening today and, and, and you're dealing with an addiction or, or your marriage is on the brink or, or, or suicidal thoughts might bombard your mind or you might be mentally and emotionally just not there right now or you know physically you're losing your physical body, don't wait, man. We absolutely, and I say this from the bottom of my heart, man, we love you guys. You are the heroes. You're the finest. You're the bravest. You deserve the best. And starting today, no matter what your life looks like, you can start over. You can become resilient. And physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in your relationships, you can start to dominate. And, and you, it's not too late. So, Chris, man, I'm grateful that you took the time today, man, to talk about, yes, surviving the streets, uh, to talk about humanizing the badge, to talk about some of the mental and the physical and, and being resilient. And we could talk all day on so many topics. But, man, I would love for you just to, uh, you know, hit them hard with any closing thoughts. Any closing thoughts that you have for the first responder listening right now before we conclude this podcast, man, from Chris Fisher, any closing thoughts, sir? Sure. So, and I, I think I say sure every time you ask me a question, but uh, the as as a police officer, as a first responder, uh, you know, be it firefighter, military, like even dispatchers, correctional officers, the list goes on and on and on. But as as a person, as a public servant owe it to yourself, you owe it to your team, you owe it to the community you serve to be the best you can be. And to be the best you can be, you have to be the best that you can be in all facets of life. You can't just be the best cop. You need to be the best dad. You need to be the best husband. You need to be the best man. Uh, you know, whatever else you have going on, you have to, you have to want, you have to have that drive, that, that insatiable need to be better than you are better tomorrow than you are today. You have to move forward constantly. You have to always want to improve yourself and improve your situation, improve your life, and, and just keep pushing towards that goal um, in every aspect, be it physical fitness, mental fitness, um, you know, the job you do, the way you do it, how you interact with people, how you treat your family. Um, and you need to be self-aware. You need to realize when you're not doing a good job of something. You gotta be honest with yourself. You've got to look back and say, you know, the last couple of weeks, I probably haven't spent enough family. Maybe I should do something. And then you need to, when you realize that, do something. Don't just identify a problem and, and just assume that it has to be that way. You can always improve. You can always make your, your life better, your relationships better, and, and you can do a better job. So never stop learning, never stop improving, and 
for God's sake, wear your seatbelt when you're on duty. <laughs> Come on, baby. Uh-oh, is that really a problem? Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, in car crashes for not wearing a seatbelt because there's this crazy myth that, uh, oh, if I got my seatbelt on and, I, and somebody starts shooting, um, I'm going to get stuck in the car. Well, look, you're driving hours a day uh, sometimes. Every cop you know has been in a crash. Has, does every cop you know been shot at? Yeah. <laughs> That's good, man. I love it, man. We're talking to Chris Fisher, former police officer from Central Alabama, turned realtor, and now living and working in the greater Phoenix area on two huge missions right now, humanizing the badge, which you can find on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, humanizing the badge, um, and also surviving the streets. Survive the streets. They can also find you at Survive the Streets on all the cool, sexy social media as well. Right, Chris? Uh, Survive the Streets is limited just to Facebook. But you can find me at uh, Chris underscore HTB on Instagram. And then uh, Humanizing the Badge is everywhere. Humanizing the Badge, Surviving the Streets, and that is Instagram, Chris underscore HTB. All right, guys. Well, that does conclude our Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast for today. Once again, we want to thank our special guest, Chris Fisher, of Humanizing the Badge and Survive the Streets. Man, we are honored. We are grateful that you took the time, sir, to invest in your fellow first responders out there. And we do want to remind you, we talked today about being your best, and that's how we closed it up. That was, that was Chris's closing thoughts. He challenged you as a first responder to be your best best. You know at FFRonline.tv I actually have a shirt that says that, Chris. Be your best. That Our desire is for you to be your best. Yes, on the job, but also off the job. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in your relationships, financially, in every area. That's what you deserve as the finest and the bravest. So once again, we want to thank you. This is Coach JC, and I want to wrap this show up the same way that we wrap every show up. And that is with the time to honor those that deserve to be honored and a time to recognize those that deserve to be recognized. So if you are listening today and you are law enforcement of every kind, then we want to say to you, thank you. We recognize you right now. We honor you. And we thank you for all that you do to keep our streets safe. Our firefighters, our medics, our National Guards, and all of our first responders out there, we take this time to recognize you, to honor you, and thank you for the job that you do. Don't forget, you can get over to FFRonline.tv today, 20 days absolutely free. Don't forget, it is a nonprofit. If you decide to go on there and you want to give a donation of $20 a month, feel free. You get all the tools you need to be fit for duty and fit for life. You can also hit us up on all the cool social media. Once again, thank you, Chris Fisher. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in today to Fit for Duty, Fit for Life podcast. This is Coach JC, and I want to remind you one last time that you are fit for duty. You are fit for life. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for doing your part to be fit for duty and fit for life.